Hey, how's it going? Good. Sorry. Oh, it's a mess up here. These musicians are terrible. Grief. Okay, if you have a Bible with you, if you want to find Exodus chapter 20, uh, if you don't have Bible, that's okay because there you go, it's appeared as if by magic on the screen behind me. The wonders of modern technology. Right, here we go. I'm going to read this passage to us and then I'm going to pray and then we're going to talk about it. So here we go. This is verses 1 and 2 of Exodus chapter 20. It says, God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then we're going to skip to verse 8, where it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for this book that you've given us, your word that speaks powerfully into our hearts, into our lives. And we invite you, God, to come and do a work within us today. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us, to change us. Our desire is to know you more and not just know you in our heads as we would read a book and understand a subject but we want to know you as we would know a friend, a person, someone we can have an intimate, close relationship with, because that's what we can have with you, Jesus. We pray that you would speak to us, guide us, shape us, we pray. Amen. Jesus said these words in Matthew 11. He said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Just let those words just stew in your heart for a moment. You can come to Jesus and he will give you rest. That's what we're going to talk about today. Because we live in a, in a restless age where stress, anxiety, burnout, these things are on the rise all the time. There's been a series in one of the national papers here in the Netherlands this week about burnout. Every week they've had lots of articles about burnout. Now, one of the statistics they had was that for students here in the Netherlands, that three out of four students uh, would describe themselves as emotionally exhausted, as stressed, as burnt out. Three out of four students. 
There's another survey I read that 46% of millennials, and millennial is a term that sociologists use to describe people, I guess, roughly in their 20s and 30s, so like probably most of us here in the room, that 46% of people of that age say they are stressed all the time, uh, which is quite a big statistic. And they would state reasons, reasons why they're stressed, stressed would be finances, work, maintaining some emotional balance in their life. 66% of people say they're stressed because they're friends with people who are stressed. <laughs> stressed people just make other people stressed, which is a bit of a problem. And a good question to ask would be, would be why? Because if you think about it, particularly in a city like this, if you live in the Western world, we have the best quality of life that humankind has ever known. <laughs> Got the best healthcare. Most of us have never experienced any war. A lot of us have never any experienced any real suffering in terms of death or horrific persecution, attack, violence. For a lot, for some of that, you might, it may be true. For all of us, that isn't true. Our generation, um, in some ways, has the best of life that there's ever been. But yet somehow, our quality of life is exceedingly high, but stress, anxiety, burnout, exhaustion is also extremely high. Now, why is that? Why is our, our, kind of our, our hardware is the best it's ever been, but our software is kind of broken? It's like we've got this brand new shiny iPhone X, but yet the iOS just has got a glitch in it. It just doesn't work properly. There's a fault, there's an error, something's not quite adding up. And what, so what causes our rest to break, for us to lose rest? First of all, distraction. It's a big issue for us today, is distraction. There was an article in the New York magazine a few years ago, and a writer called Andrew Sullivan said that we are a frazzled digital generation. We're frazzled, we're exhausted by the fact that we're constantly online, that we're constantly connected with the world around us. And all the surveys you'll read will say that particularly social media, the thing that's designed to make you more connected with people, to make you have better relationships, actually does the opposite. It makes people more lonely, makes people more anxious, more worried, more afraid. And all the time, social media, advertising, it's saying to you that you're not enough, that you need something else to supplement your life, that you need more and more. You need more things, more products, more friends, more likes, more contacts. You need more and more and more. And you need to be more and more. You need to be better at this thing, better at that thing. You need to be better looking, better educated, better equipped, better skilled. All the time, we face this barrage of messages that we receive every day telling us that we're not good enough. That's mo how most advertising works, by saying your life isn't good enough, but it'll be better if you have this. All the time, we face those messages flying at us. So distraction is an issue, because we're distracted by these messages all the time. They leave us restless and exhausted. 
The second one is just the demands of the city that we live in, or just city life in general, but particularly in Amsterdam, we notice a few things. First of all, we live in, in a city of achievement. For many of you, I know that the, the expectations on you for your performance, for your output, for what you deliver, are immense. I know some of you carry a huge weight of responsibility. There's demands on you, expectations on you, which you find difficult to carry sometimes. That you can, can struggle. Lots of people, even those in the most powerful positions, CEOs, executives, people running businesses, will struggle from what people call imposter syndrome, where they struggle with a crippling sense of self-doubt all the time, where they keep thinking, I don't know, how did I end up here? How did I get this promotion? How did I do this? And they live life always on the brink of, of, of trying to desperately stop themselves from failing because they, they feel like, how on earth did I get here? And that self-doubt can plague us. Also, we're in, we're in a city that, that never sleeps, a non-stop city. You know, I, I grew up in a small town in England where, um, you know, the shops opened at nine and they closed at five and they didn't open on a Sunday. Everything was just very quiet and normal and peaceful. But we live in a city that doesn't function like that, that's alive 24-7. There's always something going on. There's always something to do. And I'm grateful for that because the place I grew up was boring, right? And Amsterdam's a much more fun place to live. But that non-stop energetic, the energy around us can kind of infect us. And many of us don't really know when to stop. You don't know how to stop anymore. The last thing you look at before you fall asleep is your phone underneath the pillow of your bed. And then it rings and wakes you up in the morning and the first thing you do is read your messages, go on social media, check your email. And just We live in this non-stop world where we don't know how to get off the train. And often I've noticed that, that even, even being burnt out, people see that as like a badge of honor, like something that you have to go through if you really want to achieve something, if you really want to make something happen, and at some point in your life, you've got to get burnt out. And if you don't, then you've not really worked hard enough. Some of you in the room, maybe you think that. Maybe you're just waiting for it to happen. It's kind of inevitable, isn't it? It happens to everybody. Sooner or later, I'm going to get burnt out, because that's what, real people, that's what it means to be an adult, is that you get stressed. Sometimes we can believe that sort of thing. And not only do we struggle under the expectations of other people, probably the main reason that we never stop is the expectations that we have upon ourselves. The goals that we've set ourselves, the demands that we put on ourselves, that can be, can be crippling. You often find the, the person that we let down the most is, our, is ourself. The person we struggle most to meet their expectations are our own expectations. We put these huge burdens and challenge, challenges on ourselves, and one of the reasons is because we live in a city of unfulfilled dreams, that many of you have come here, or you live in this city, because you're following a dream. You're chasing something. You think, that thing is going to make me happy if I do that. 
And you might have been in your school somewhere else in the Netherlands or somewhere else in the world. You might have been the best artist. And all your teachers would say how amazing your pictures were. You'd win prizes and awards. And then you come to Amsterdam, and suddenly you're not just competing against Billy Joe Bloggs sitting next to you, you're competing against Rembrandt. It's a different standard, right? Suddenly all those dreams you had of fame that you were going to make it, and suddenly you think, wow, I didn't realize how high the bar was. Don't know if I can meet that. I often find it fascinating that if you go, if you cycle underneath the Rijksmuseum, have you ever been past those buskers playing there? They are the most gifted buskers in the world, right? It's incredible. And you think, if you come here as a musician, trying to make it, and then you realize the buskers underneath the Rijksmuseum are better than probably most musicians on the planet. And that's the, the bar we have. That's the standard we have in front of us. And we suddenly come here and we realize that these dreams we have, either we can't meet them, and that leads to disappointment, or we do, we do meet the expectation, we do meet our dreams, we do find them, and then we realize it was quite empty anyway, but it made you happy for a moment, for a second. Your mum gave you a great big well done down the phone, and on Monday morning, everything was back to normal, and everybody had forgotten. You go, well, what do I do now? What do, I, what do I live for now? And all these things, the demands of our city could just leave you feeling restless. You don't know how to find rest anymore because you feel your heart is buzzing nonstop of all the things that you have to do, that you have to be like. Other things that can lead us to lacking rest would be, you know, I guess a bit more obviously, would be relational conflict. Again, an issue which is epidemic in our city. Broken marriages, broken relationships. People all the time struggling to find peace. Someone that understands them. Someone that accepts them just as they are. And when you don't find it or relationships don't work, at least just stress, anxiety. Another issue, I guess, a much more, in a sense, a more normal thing that we'll all experience at some point, which is be grief. You know, grief can often leave us to feeling restless. We don't know how to deal with that because death is uncommon in our culture and we're not really taught how to handle grief. On the other side of the coin, some of you here will be new mums. <laughs> death isn't the issue, birth is the issue. You're thinking, oh man, you talk about rest. Yeesh, I don't know what that looks like anymore. It might be that you're carrying an illness, a sickness that causes you to feel a lack of rest. Perhaps the main issue we struggle to find rest is guilt or shame. That could be a really difficult thing for many of us to carry, particularly if it's an unconfessed issue in your life, something you've never told anybody, something that you've done or something that's been done to you that you've kept bottled up. And keeping that bottled up, keeping that secret that takes a lot of effort. That will exhaust you. The, the demand that that will put on your heart will be overwhelming. To carry that thing by yourself, it can lead to a huge lack of rest. It says this in the, in the Proverbs. 
Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. What what that's saying is that um, we can often think of repentance as a negative thing, as a horrible thing. Actually, it's a thing of refreshment. It will give you life. Confessing that thing that you've kept kept hidden, you'll suddenly find when, when it comes out, you feel, oh. It doesn't mean there won't be things that you'll need to work through, issues that you'll need to talk through with people, pain that you've caused that you'll have to navigate through, but you'll find it will be ultimately a refreshment to your soul. I guess also probably another thing that's again is very common would just be worry. I guess all of these things probably do lead to worry anyway. And that's probably perhaps the main reason that we lack rest is that we don't trust God. You know, why pray when you can worry, right? Worry can be this crippling thing. It again, overwhelms us. But we don't know how to deal with it. It leads us to a lack of, a lack of rest. And it's... I'm kind of really laboring this because it's, it's important that we understand Sabbath in this context. Sabbath means a rest. And we must understand Sabbath, this rest is a gift from God. Because when I read that, read that, when I read that passage at the start about Sabbath, probably lots of you would have had all sorts of negative connotations that would have come into your head of what that of what that means. Because it might just be the day when you can't do things, right? I've told this story before, but my, my mum grew up in a house where I had a very strict observance of a Sunday of the Sabbath day. And uh, she was allowed to, they would go to church and then they would come home in the afternoon and the only thing they were allowed to do was play table tennis, ping pong. So my mum is awesome at table tennis. But in that kind of, she's also not competitive at all. So when you play her, you'll be running around frantically, hard as you can, whipping back across, and she'll just be saying, because she doesn't really care. She doesn't really care if she wins or not, but she's just very good, because it's the only thing she knows, only sport she knows how to do. But for some of you, that's maybe how you see all of the Ten Commandments, is just this legalistic thing of, um, I guess just... It's a bit like a church bell, you know? I can lie in bed at night and I can hear the distant church bells ringing. And church bells, for many people in our city, all they'll be is a, a kind of an echo from a bygone age. And for many people, the Ten Commandments are like that. Just a faint echo from the past. Just this legalistic knocking that you think, well, I don't need to worry about those things anymore. That's just something from the past those legalistic things, those things that I have to do, that I have to be, I don't need those in my life anymore. Actually, the Sabbath isn't supposed to, well, all of these Ten Commandments, what they are is they're a, they're a guide, a gracious guide to God's good life that he has for us, of how to live a life of fruitfulness and happiness and contentment with God. And that's what the Sabbath is there for, it's not there to be a duty, it's there to be a delight. So that's how it describes the Sabbath in Isaiah, as a delight to us. 
supposed to be a releasing thing. It's God's gift to us. So let's look for a moment at uh, what Sabbath is, the kind of the purpose of Sabbath. And first of all, it's, um, it's, it's a temporary rest. In the Old Testament, they would have observed the Sabbath um, on a Saturday. In the New Testament, after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, we read about the disciples celebrating the Lord's Day on the first day of the week, which we would see as the Sunday. And it, it's, we see it here when we, when we looked at it, it's put in the context of um, God's creation. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth to see and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And we see the Sabbath that we have it is a, is a copy of God's divine plan. And you might say, hold on a second. Maybe if, you, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, maybe if you do know Jesus, you might say, hold on a second, you're telling me the entire world was made in six days. That might be a bit of a stumbling block for you to think that's, that's a bit of an odd thing to say because most science around us, most people would, you know, a lot of people argue that God wasn't even involved at all because God doesn't exist in many people's opinion, but if God was involved, the fact that he did it in six days seems a little bit far-fetched. Now, I guess... I don't want to try and answer that question because, first of all, I don't think the Bible tries to answer that question. As in, the Bible isn't designed as this scientific document that tells us about us and the world around us. It's a book that tells us about God and who he is. So you're kind of asking the wrong question, really. And the Bible's not going to give you the answer to questions like that. I think there's a fairly good argument to say that actually those six days, um, we can define them as divine godly days. The time limit on those, I don't think it really matters. And I don't think it was six human 24-hour days. I don't think it was. But people will debate on that one. But what it's telling us is that, I guess the best way to describe it is that our human days are a copy of God's divine days, not his days, a copy of our days. Does that make sense? So to put it another way, our humanity is a copy of God's perfect nature, not God a copy of us. You know, as, as a father, I'm trying to live out to be a copy of the perfect father. <laughs> and it's not the other way around. It's not that God the father is a copy of my imperfect fatherliness. So the Sabbath that we're given is an imperfect copy of God's perfect plan of rest that he's, that he's given us. You see, in God, he sees your busyness. He sees the weight around your necks, the thing that you carry, and he gives you a gift. He gives you a gift of rest. He gives you the Sabbath, not as another thing, not as another burden, not as another duty to carry, but as a gift to you, as a delight something to bless you, a temporary rest. But it's also a rest for a purpose. It's a rest to worship. See, the Sabbath rest isn't just like a cessation of everything. It's not you just wake up in the morning and you think, I'm staying here. Me in my bed, 
That's all that's happening today. That's not what the Sabbath is about. It's a rest with with a purpose to bring us to God. Because that's where where we find the rest that we really need. The rest for our souls is when we when we come to Jesus. That's the rest he wants to give us. Helps us to refocus, to realign our lives, to come back to the main thing, to who he is, to what he's done for us. And not only that, but God wants to use the Sabbath to change you. Talks in Exodus 31 about the Sabbath being something that sanctifies us. That in the process of rest, even by stopping, God's making us more like him. Whereas we think about it the other way around. We think, if I want to become more like Jesus, I've got to do things. I've got to be more. I've got to do more activities. And God says, no, first of all, you just need to stop and rest and allow him the space to work rather than you thinking that you have to work. And it's also a rest to remember. In that passage in Exodus 31, it talks about Sabbath as well being a, it's like a covenant sign. Sabbath is a sign of what God's done for us. In the same way that when you see a rainbow in the sky, that's a sign that God's given us, a promise that he made, a covenant promise that he made to Noah, to say, I'm going to rescue you, that I love you, that I'm a good father who will take care of you. That's what the Sabbath is supposed to tell us. We're supposed to come to the Sabbath and remember Oh, yes, he's a good God. He's rescued us. He's done good to us. It says here in Deuteronomy, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is this reminder that God's rescued us He's saying to the people of Israel, I brought you out. It was me that did that. I rescued you from slavery. And he says to us, I brought you out. I rescued you from the slavery of sin and death. I've added you into my kingdom, into my family now. So when we come and rest, it's a time to remember what he's done for us. His grace lavishly poured out for us. Let's finish with some hints about how to do this. How to Sabbath? Well, first of all, perhaps, obviously, is to stop. You know, stop your work. Cease from working, that's what it's about. Now, I know that in modern life, for many of you, you might have to work on Sundays if you work in you know, retail or tourism or you're on shift work, you're a doctor or you're a nurse. Um, you might not be able to be here every week because you've got you've to work, you've got a job to do. So I don't think we need to hold strictly to the fact that it has to be on a Sunday. But what's important is a principle of building regular habits of rest and learn how to do that daily, weekly, and annually. Different moments of the year have seasons, moments of rest. Now, some of you in the room, this is the moment where something inside of you is complaining. (laughs) Because you're saying, ha-ha, preacher man. It might be easy for you to rest, but you don't know what my life looks like. You don't know the busyness that I have. You don't know the deadlines that I've got coming up, the responsibilities that I carry. If I, I can't just stop because I'll be let people down. 
I won't, I won't be able to do my job properly. I'll fail. What do you know about rest? But the thing is, if you're, if you're too busy to rest, perhaps the question you need to ask yourself is, where is your identity? If, if you're too busy to rest, maybe your focus is too much on what you produce, on what you do, on what people think about you, on your own performance. Your focus really has become actually all about yourself. It's become about you. It's not become about God at all. It's a bit of a dangerous place to find yourself in. And you, you might say, well, look, actually, for these reasons, this season of my life, rest is actually, it's just impossible. You know, I mentioned uh, young mums earlier, or if you've got young children at home. Um, I know that there are different seasons of life where you have to approach getting rest in a different way. I remember once when we had, I think at that point we had three kids under the age of four, I think it was. I remember driving on a motorway, a Snellweg, in England, and a sign above, massive big sign, said, tired, question mark, take a break, services in two miles, you can pull over and rest. I thought, are you kidding me? I've been tired for four years. Right? <laughs> I don't think that service station is going to give me that kind of rest that I really need, right? But I think even in those seasons, you can still find rest. It's not really about stopping from activity. It's more about making sure you've got some rest for your heart. This is a heart issue. Actually, it, it, it might be that the reason you're not resting is an issue of pride. Even if you're a mum, that might be an issue. Actually, the thing you need to do is just ask for some help. I was talking to this with uh, Lottie last night, and she made a brilliant suggestion. She said, well, actually, community can help you rest, right? <laughs> community can help you Sabbath if you're a mum and you're struggling. Just pick up the phone, ask for some help. Can you just come and sit in my living room for two hours? and just play with my kids so I can just go and have a nap. And there'd be so many people in the church that would love to help you with that, I'm sure. But even so, after all of me saying this, some of you are still thinking, I don't really, I'm not really sure I agree. You know, actually, I like being busy. You know? It fulfills me. It makes me happy. I want to be busy. I, I'm connected all the time. I can't stop being busy. There was a story this week in, uh, in the news here in the Netherlands, of about a man in Venlo, a town uh, elsewhere in the country, where he was, do I don't, you might have heard this story, he was doing some gardening, I think it was in the evening, in his garden, and uh, he found an unexploded bomb, and he hit it with its spade, and it started hissing. So he, uh, he put some sand on it, and it was still hissing. So <laughs> he's responsible, he threw himself on top of it, and lay there and got his phone out of his pocket and he called the police and said, I'm lying on an unexploded bomb. Can you send the bomb disposal unit to come and get rid of it? And the police turned up and they evacuated all his neighbors. But the bomb disposal unit did turn up until 1 a.m. <laughs> so he spent the whole evening lying on the ground in the freezing cold. Um, uh, the, the local authorities had to give out a warning afterwards saying, if you find an unexploded bomb, please just go away, <laughs> just leave, don't lie on it, it's not a good idea. Now, I don't know why he did that, where he just wanted to be the hero, uh, you know, whether he was trying to protect, I'm sure he was trying to protect somebody, 
But often we can, treat, we can treat the busyness of our life in the same way. We can see it coming. Maybe someone's told you, that's probably the first thing we should put on this list, how to rest, is to listen. Someone's probably told you that you're too busy and you've ignored them. So I remember, she was, it was last month, it was the evening of our monthly prayer meeting, and I wasn't feeling very well at all. And I said to Joe, oh, I feel terrible. And, uh, and she said, well, I, maybe you shouldn't go to the prayer meeting tonight. I said, no, I'm the pastor. I've got to be there. And I was just ready to go and do it. And then she gave me that look, right? <laughs> the look that said, the only way you're leaving this house is in an ambulance. You know? <laughs> she didn't. She's very gracious and loving. But she did tell me quite firmly that I was being a bit of an idiot. So I rested, I listened. I'm not normally very good at that, but that's an important thing. Some, someone may have told you that you're too busy, maybe even a few people, listen to them. And they might be exaggerating, but maybe take the risk that they're not, and rest and stop. Because so often we can, we can treat this issue like an unexploded bomb, and, and we can just throw ourselves onto it. And so I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to throw myself into this, and one of two things will happen. Either it will explode. There'll be some kind of burnout, exhaustion. You'll be taken out. Something will happen. Or probably more likely, what happened with this guy is they had to take him to hospital and treat him for hypothermia because he'd been lying in his garden all evening. And maybe that's what will happen, not hypothermia, but... Maybe what will happen to you is you won't actually notice that you just get more and more exhausted. And the thing that will take you out won't be the exhaustion. It'll be something else. Because you'll create an opportunity for other sin to dwell up in your life. You won't be able to guard yourself properly because you're exhausted. You'll do something stupid. You'll break things. You'll hurt somebody. Something else will, will happen. Rest is so important. And rest is important because this is how you were made. This is what this passage is telling us. This is how you were made. See, God didn't stop after six days because he was tired. It wasn't that God was like, oh, man, Jupiter was just so hard work. <laughs> oh. He did it as an example. He did the example to Adam to say, Adam, this is what you need to do. You need to work hard and then rest. I'm not trying to give us an excuse here and say, everyone, we just need to live a chilled out life. None of us need to work hard anymore. We're just going to rest. We should work hard for the glory of God. That's how God teaches us to do. He teaches us to work hard and to rest and build up that pattern, that rhythm of your life because that's how you're made. And you're made like that for a reason. Jesus said that Sabbath was made for for man, not man for the Sabbath was made for us for a reason. First of all, to remind us, to remind you that you're not God. That's why you have to sleep every day. Every time you lie down and close your eyes and fall asleep, it's a beautiful, gracious reminder that you're not God, that he's in charge, that he's in control, that he's sovereign, and that you're not. And we like to think that we are, that it's all about us, that we can control our lives, that we can fix the problems, but we can't. Every day when we sleep, it's a reminder, yep, I'm not in control, he is. He's God and I'm not. 
This is hardwired into our design. So first of all, we've got to stop. Secondly, gather. In the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, the Sabbath has always been associated with God's people gathering together to come and worship him. And make a priority of doing that. Make it a habit of just being here. And there's some weeks you're not going to want to come to church. You think, oh, I don't want to listen to that preacher again. He's boring. And you'll just be tired and you won't want to. Make it a habit. Just come whether you want to come or not. Make it a habit because it will do you good. Next way to Sabbath is to do it without judgment. It says in Colossians, therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. The problem is often we can take something, we do this all the time, we take something that God's made for our benefit, a gift to us, and we turn it into a duty and a law. That's what's happened with the Sabbath so often, that people have taken it and they interpret it in a legalistic way. They've taken something that's meant for good, to be a blessing to them, and they've turned it into a law. What's happened with lots of the Ten Commandments, people take them and they, they end up being corrupted. And it's important for us is that for you, for, that the main way that happens is it becomes a duty or a law is when we start judging other people. We say, well, I've not seen him at church for ages. And we start to judge other people. I can't believe that's how he treats the Sabbath. He's not resting properly. We judge people. But Paul very clearly tells us here, well, he tells us to not let other people judge us, but the reverse is true. We shouldn't judge other people. Because that's just, we're then just imposing a law, we're imposing a system of religion on them. Whereas instead, we should, we should be gifting people's grace to be God's grace to people, loving them, graciously leading them to him. Because the Sabbath is a gift to us, but we're no longer under the law. It's still something that can bless and serve us, but it can't save you. Observing the Sabbath won't do anything in terms of your acceptance by God. It won't change how much he loves you. It doesn't change how much he loves that person that doesn't seem to keep the Sabbath at all. We're not under the law anymore. It has no power to save us. Because ultimately the Sabbath should be, it should be something that takes the weight off, not puts the weight on. If you've, lived, if you've grown up in a religious family where the Sabbath has just been a weighty, just a pressure, just a thing that you, you think, oh, as soon as I, I, I get away from home, I'm just going to not do any of that stuff anymore because it's just become a weight, a burden. The Sabbath isn't supposed to be like that. It's designed as a gift to you to take the weight off. All the toils and struggles, the busyness of life, there's an opportunity of rest. Take the weight off from us. It's God's provision for us. See, because our Sabbath rest, it, it it says to us that God is enough. That his grace is enough for you. That you don't need to do more and more and more. You don't need to be more. 
God's grace is enough for you. That's what the Sabbath tells us. Actually, it leads us to the eternal Sabbath we have. This eternal rest that Jesus has laid out for us, free from sin, from guilt, from shame, from busyness. Eternal rest he's laid aside for us. This earthly, temporary rest points to Jesus, that the rest that we need for the anguish in our souls, we find in him. And you'll spend your whole life trying to fill it with all sorts of other things to give you that rest, and you won't find it. The real rest you need for whatever's going on inside of you, you find in Jesus, in knowing him. We get to rest in the grace of God. Let's just finish. I'm, I want to read this verse again that we started with, and then I'm just going to pray for us. Jesus says in Matthew, why don't you just close your eyes? Just let these words speak into you. Let's let the Holy Spirit minister to you as I read this. This is Jesus speaking to us. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus, that's our prayer today. Is that, God, we just want to know rest. God, for some of us, we're just the, oh, the restlessness inside our hearts is just overwhelming. And we always feel like we're on the brink of, of dropping all the balls, <laughs> all the plates that we're spinning. They're all about to come crashing down all this guilt that we're carrying, we're suddenly, be, we're suddenly going to be exposed. All this pain that we're suffering is suddenly going to become too much. And God, we just want to bring all those things to you. That heavy load that we carry and know that in you we find perfect rest for our souls. We find freedom in you. Liberty in you. That's where the Sabbath leads us to. Liberty, freedom from slavery, joy and peace with you. Pray, Holy Spirit, you just minister this to our hearts. Just lies that we've been told, demands that we have on us, deadlines that we have. I pray we just know your rest. With guilt and shame has just been crippled us and carrying those things exhausts us. Pray that rest to come. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace to us.